All right, we're going to start this morning with some shouts. So if you're new, uh, don't panic. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. This series, we've been looking at uh, people or events in the Bible that just show up one time, maybe have one verse or maybe one line. And today we're going to explore the idea of incredible one-time occurrences. With this sort of idea, have you ever used this phrase like with your friends, oh, remember that one time when something happened and it was like always like, whenever you use that phrase, whenever, oh, remember when that thing happened, it's always something that was out of the ordinary. It was something that was strange or weird or unique. And, and so today we're going to do that. We're going we're gonna to see some of the strange ways that God has provided for people throughout the Bible using a unique miracle something maybe different or out of the ordinary. And, and we're going to track this thread of God's miraculous provision through some extraordinary one-time events in Bible history. Okay, so the first one we're going to talk about is uh, the first time essential oils were used in humanity. And the passage comes from 1 Kings chapter 17. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, the hymn is Elijah here, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar that I may drink? As she was going to get it, he called, Oh, and, and bring me, please, a, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a, a little olive oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home to make a meal for myself and my son that we could eat it and, and die. Elijah said to her, oh, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. So she went away and she did as Elijah told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord, uh, the, the word the Lord had spoken to Elijah. So here we see God providing for the most basic need of a human being. And he provides it for this, what's her name? We don't know. For a no-name widow. God provides this miraculous meal for, and, and continuing of meals for a no-name widow and her son. She's not famous. She's not important. She's not more godly than other folks. She's nothing special. Yet, she receives a miracle. Look, you don't have to be a super Christian to receive God's miracles, nor do you have to be a somebody. You don't have to be a pastor or even a Christian influencer. Did you notice in this passage that, that God directed her ahead of time? The passage said that God came to her and directed her that, that uh, someone was going to ask for something. God directed her before Elijah even showed up. But even then, she was hesitant. Even after God told her, and this is so true in real life, sometimes maybe God has told you to do something, and even though you know it's from God, what do you, we still get hesitant, right? We still get worried. We still are unsure of it. 
she's not a giant in the faith. She's just like me. She hesitates and has doubts and worries and didn't know what was going to happen next. And she's just like you and I. See, God's miraculous provision is for everyone, not just the spiritually elite or someone who does their prayer every day or does their Bible study. It's not just for that person. See, God's miraculous intervention is for all people. Do notice that God did give her the very basic need. It's just bread and some oil. She didn't win the lottery. He didn't have a stack of cash show up on her, you know, on her porch. But he provides for her basic needs. So what's that for today's possibilities? What does that look like today? Maybe you have some real-life needs. Maybe you got stuff like paying for rent. Mm, I just don't know where it's going to come from. That, that's a real need. Maybe you've got, uh, maybe you've got immigration issues. You're like, I, I'm not sure what's going to go on with my status here in the country. And maybe you've got food insecurities yourselves. So I'd say go to God with those things and, and write them down. Write them down and, and write down after God provides because as we pray through things, God's going to provide. So write them down so that you can remember that God provides. I think one of the problems that we have so many times is that we so easily forget how often God has provided. And for me, it's like this. I have a need. I have a worry. I pray about it. God answers it. And then I was like, cool. Now that that's not a need or a worry, it's not on my mind anymore. And so I sort of just say, cool. And then I go to my next need or worry. And then that one gets answered. My next need or worry, next need or worry. But, but I don't often spend enough time Really, when God provides, I usually say, like, oh, thanks, God. But I don't really spend enough time saying, God, look, you've been so faithful time after time after time, day after day after day. And so I want to encourage us to try to be more cognizant of that. Try to be more intentional about remembering the times when God provides. And, and uh, as you were walking in here, you might have seen something new right below the TV over here. I created a prayer board for us. And what I want to do just for the next month, I want you to write after service or sometime this week. You all got keys to the church, right? We gave those all away. So at some point, I want you to write a prayer request that you have. And uh, there's a prayer request side, and there's a prayer answered side. And so right now, the prayer answered side is going to be empty because we haven't put any on the board for the request. But, but I'd like you to put a prayer request. Maybe you have a meeting, meeting coming up this week that's really important. Maybe, uh, maybe you're not sure where your next meal is coming from. I'll put that down. So I'd like you to write whatever prayer request you have today and, and for the next four weeks and put them on the request side. But I want you to then remember you're doing that. And then come back in a week or two weeks when God answers those prayer, and then switch your card over to the prayer answered side. Does that make sense what we're asking? So that we're going to see today, hold a whole bunch of prayer request sides. Then I wonder if next week any of those will be answered. I don't know. Let's check it out and see. I wonder if God will be faithful. Not really. I don't wonder. I'm pretty confident in God. So like, I'm pretty sure that those things are going to start to shift to God answers prayers. Because God's miraculous provision isn't just for the spiritual elite. It's for every single one of us. And that's what we see right here in this passage. Just from a no-name widow, God provides for her. And God is going to provide miraculously for you. So I, I dare you, I challenge you, I encourage you, put that prayer request on and set it there. And that's not a magic board, so it's not going to, oh, if you don't, you're not going to get your prayers answered. It's not that. It's just to help us be reminded of God's faithfulness.
Okay, the next one. Uh, do you remember that one time in the Bible where the sun stood still? Do you remember that one time? It was in Joshua 10. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them uh, by surprise, the enemy. And the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites, they defeated them completely at Gibeon. Then Israel's pursuing them along the road, going up to Beth Horon. And he cut them down all the way to Azkah and Machedah. And as they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azkah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. Man, and more of them died from the hail than they were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Oh my goodness. And on that day, uh, the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel. Joshua said to the Lord in the very presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Aijalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it's written in the book of Jashar, that book we don't have. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like that since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord will fight for Israel then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. And so this one is a much larger scale miracle. God intervened to help Israel defeat a major enemy. So he provides the battle to be won by giving additional or miraculous light. Hmm. I don't want to go in too much into that to say that God uh, helps battles by giving miraculous light. But God provides for the security of his people. And so this is a, a big kind of, not just my need, but, but others are counting on this thing kind of miracle. And so for, for us, perhaps you're in charge of a whole branch of a company uh, in your company, like a whole, you're the West Coast rep or something like that, and, and you've got tons of people relying on you, and, and maybe there's something that you don't know how to do, or, or maybe it looks like it's going to be failing, or whatever the situation is where lots of people are relying, bring that to God. Maybe you own your own business and, and uh, business has been tough. COVID, you know, like jacked everybody up and, and you're not sure if business is going to make it. And you've got employees that are relying on you and, and people you serve in your business. Maybe, maybe it's time to give it to God and ask if he'll provide. Like last week we were talking about spiritual battles and we see it here that God was fighting their battle. But we don't fight like battles like that, not in the New Testament. But we fight spiritual battles. And God will provide for you in your spiritual battle. Maybe, maybe you have a problem in your spiritual battle that you haven't been finding enough time to pray. And you try to, and then you just forget. And then you do a quick prayer before you go to bed, maybe 30 seconds or something. Maybe God's asking you to pray for an hour this week. And you need his help to even do that. Maybe, maybe you need God's light to provide greater spiritual clarity and discernment as you pray. And say, God, I, I just need, here's the battle. I'm not Joshua fighting a physical enemy because our fight is not against flesh and blood. But God, I'm fighting in the spiritual realm for my family. I'm fighting for my friends, uh, for these things that are going on in, in, in your realm. God, give me discernment how to pray. Maybe that's our prayer. How about the next one? Do you remember that, that one time... Uh, Jesus was uh, doing stuff with wine. You remember that one time with Jesus and wine? 
This is in John chapter 2. On the third day of a wedding, it took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother's there. Jesus, his disciples are there. Uh, they'd also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mom, uh, she says to him, hey, they've got no more wine. And he's like, uh, why are you trying to involve me? Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus says to the servants, hey, fill them up with water. They filled them to the brim. Jesus told them, now draw some of it and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize that where it had come from, though the servants uh, who had drawn the water knew. Then, then he called the bridegroom aside, and he said, Oh, my goodness. He said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheap wine after they've had too much to drink, because wine deadens your taste buds, right? But you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Now, I love this miracle, and no, it's not because I love wine. Uh, that isn't why. But because this miraculous provision, it is not for a personal need. No one needs more wine. It's not for a societal issue. You're not fighting a battle. It's not for something major like this. This miracle is not a life or death situation. It's rather for a party. God does a miraculous thing for a party. It's for a want, not a need. For more wine so that the party continue and people can enjoy themselves and they can, they can have a great time together. How wonderful to know that God cares not only about deep, real problems, and he does, but, but God actually cares about small things too. God cares about your desire to have a really great party when you're with your friends. So today's possibility might be if ever you've prayed for good weather on your wedding day or for someone else's wedding day. Maybe, God, I just needed to stop raining just for a minute while they get married outside because they chose an outside venue. God, would you just please stop the skies? That's okay to pray. It's not a need. No one will die if it keeps raining, but it'd be nice if it stopped. Or prayers uh, for that dream job that you've been hoping to land. It's not a need. You've got a, you got a job right now, you know. But, but there's that dream job. Man, I really love that one. Or uh, if you're a teenager, see, Mom and Dad, I've been praying for that PS5. You know, like <laughs> nudging your parents. Are you listening, Mom? PS5 prayers. So you can write that on the board and see, we'll see what happens with that, you know? <laughs> write it up. We, we chuckle because you're like, oh, miracles aren't for that. <laughs> but wait, miracles are for that. Sometimes miracles are just for fun, just for the joy of life. Do you remember that one time a guy lost his axe and then found it miraculously? This is a more obscure one. This is actually in 2 Kings 6, because we're all in 2 Kings reading a bunch, right? The company of the prophets, they said to Elijah, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let's go to the Jordan where we can each get a pole, and we're going to like build a bigger place for us to meet. And, and Elijah's like, Oh, good idea. Go. And one of them said, uh, won't you please come with your servants? And he's like, I will. And so they go down and they, he meets them. And they go to the Jordan and they're cutting down trees. And one of the guys is cutting down a tree. And the iron axe head that he had, it's 
obviously comes off the axe and it falls into the water and he's like, oh no, my Lord, he cries out. He goes, that was a borrowed axe, man. That's not my axe. I just dropped it in the river. And then and, and, uh, the man of God, Elijah says, oh, oh where'd it fall? And he showed him, oh, like right around here somewhere. So Elijah cuts a stick. He throws the stick in the water. And then all of a sudden that iron, which doesn't flow, the iron axe head floats up. And he's like, oh, there it is. Grab it out of there. And the guy reached out and he, and he took it. Again, we see a miracle to solve an inconvenience. Now, I don't know about you, but this miracle seems awfully strange, like an awfully strange use for a miracle. <laughs> like, I, I dropped an axe in there. Can you do a miracle so that my axe will float? Look, in the cosmos, God created the heavens and earth with a word. Boom. God created human beings. He fashioned them in his image. Boom. And then here's this guy going, like, God, can you help my axe come out of the water somehow? What a, what a waste of a miracle, right? I wonder if perhaps this is included in the Bible so that we will know there is no such thing as a waste of a miracle. See, God has unlimited power and unlimited miracles are available. I don't know about you, but sometimes I worry about like, okay, I'm not going to pray about that small thing because I don't want to use up my spiritual like, like you know, I, I got like 10 spiritual asks. You know, I've got like, or like, I've got, I'm like, I'm only like half spiritually full in my fuel. I don't want to, I want to, don't, don't want to use my powder for this one. So, so maybe you think like, oh, I, I don't want to waste my miracle on something small. But that's then thinking that God has only a limited amount of power. But God does not have a limited amount of miracles because he does not have a limited amount of power. God has unlimited power and unlimited miracles. And so it's okay, it's okay to ask for all things, even things that seem small or ridiculous or, or lame to someone else. But it wasn't to that guy. He's like, oh man, my axe, and I, it's not even mine. I borrowed it, and then I don't have money to buy him a new axe. And he's going to be mad because I lost the axe, and oh, it's a pain, and blah, 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 blah. That kind of miracle is okay. Today's possibility, has anyone else ever lost their keys? <laughs> and you're like, God, where's my keys? And you know, why are they in the fridge? I don't know why they were in the fridge, but they were in the fridge there. God, where's my earring? God, where's my earbud? God, where's my eyeglasses? Like, I, I'm lost. I'm falling apart. God, can you help me find actually all four of those things? Because I lost them all at the same time. That, that's okay to ask God for an inconvenience miracle. Isn't that interesting? When my son Ethan was really little, maybe about three or four, I don't know if your kids had like a special stuffed animal. He, had a, he has a favorite stuffed animal. It's a little stuffed dog called Lunchy. And uh, he sleeps with it. He takes it wherever he goes. It's, it always plays the toys with him. He goes to the market with it. Like it's always with us, this Lunchy, right? And so one time uh, my wife Hedgen and uh, Ethan, they went to uh, dinner with some of my wife's friends. Uh, not with me, I was doing something else. And I, of course, took the stuffed dog there. And then they, you know, come back home. Uh, it's about bedtime. And then Ethan's like, where's, where's Lunchy? And my wife's like, oh, I don't know, where's Lunchy? You know, and we're start looking around, couldn't find it at the house. And then she's like, oh, no, maybe we left it at the restaurant. And so she calls her friends to see if they have it. None of her friends have Lunchy. We call the restaurant. The restaurant doesn't have it. Now we're panicking because, like, if your kid is any like mine, 
once you don't have the thing they want, then he's like, where's my dog? <laughs> Crying and screaming. And it's like bedtime and he won't go to sleep without lunchy. And then so we lied. We said, oh, lunchy's having a sleepover with his friends or something. You know, I don't know. We just made something up to try to get him to sleep. Here's, here's Pooh Bear, much good substitute, right? But they never want Pooh Bear. Of course, they just want the, the lunchy or the, his favorite one. But eventually he falls asleep, you know. And then we're like, we got to do something. And I was like, I'll, I'll run to Target and find like, well, he's like three. He doesn't know, right? I'll just find like a, a, like a dog or something that looks like this one. And he's, he's not going to know. Oh, he's going to know for sure, right? <laughs> so, but I was just hoping for anything. So I run to Target. You know, it's like maybe 10 at night or something, 9, 10 at night. Go to Target. Look, all, they got thousands of stuffed animals and toys, but no, no dog that even looks like this or has the right, right feel or anything. And I was like, it's, it's late now, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. God, I don't know where to go. And then I remembered, like, Barnes & Noble has, like, five toys in Barnes You know, they have, like, the kids' book section. And they, I was like, I think they had some stuffed animals that they sell, right? So I'm going to go buy, go see if Barnes & Noble has one. But this, like, we got this lunchy, like, four years ago. So there's no way we're going to find the same, like, kind of thing. I'm, maybe they'll have something similar. So I'm praying as I, Barnes & Noble's like two seconds away. But of course I drove because we live in California. It's like in the same plaza, but I, I so I drove over to Barnes & Noble. <laughs> like literally in the same plaza in Amherst Center in Fullerton, right? It's like literally like you could hit it with a rock, but I still drove over there. Um, and I get out and I was like, God, please, like help me find something. Go into this Barnes & Noble, go to the back, all the way back where the kid section is. And I'm looking around and there is the exact same Thai beanie baby stuffed dog, medium, like large size, the exact same one. And I was like, what? How is this even possible? Of course, grab it, buy it, you know. Uh, we go, I, I get home, and then, uh, you know, in the morning we're like, oh, look, lunchy's here. And he's like, little suspicious that he took it, because his lunch is like three years old. It was like more smashed and like, you know, gooed up, right? Like, and then he's like, Mm, like, oh, we washed it. That's why it's all fluffy now. They get fluffy after you wash them. And he suspiciously took it, you know, and then that was fine. But so later on, we actually bought three or four of these so we can recycle them out. He didn't know that, but uh, just recently we told him that. So I have got like, I've got like zombie lunches in my closet still in case he ever loses his good, his good one now. But God cares about the lunchy moments. Miracles are for those moments too. Just so your kid could sleep a little better and have his favorite lunchy with him. Remember that one time that Jesus paid his taxes? This one's really cool. Matthew 17, it says, After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and they said, Oh, don't, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Peter's like, Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah he does. And Peter came to Jesus, and, and uh, Jesus is the first to speak. And he says, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from other folks? Well, from others, Peter said. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw in your line, Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you're going to find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to pay for my tax and yours. Huh. Can't you just make that money appear in my hand? Like, that just seems way easier. But Okay, does, does, does. Fish 
oh my gosh, there's a coin in this fish's mouth. So here's God's providing for something that's half need, like half want, right? Something small, but it gets a miracle. Jesus gives this miracle to, to prove a point about whom we should pay, but as well as to fulfill a concern to be able to pay that tax money. So today's possibility is somewhere that's like halfway between a need and, and, a, and, a, and a want. Maybe you don't have to, but you probably should, something like that. All I would say is like a prayer for your pet's health. Like, it's not a need per se, but, but it's more than a want. Like, pets are really important. Right? They're not just a want, but they're not just a need. And so maybe praying for them falls in this place. Or maybe you actually need to pray about your taxes. I don't know about you. When, when I first got this job, uh, the way pastors are taxed is different than the way regular people are taxed, and I didn't quite realize that. So I got this job, and, and normally uh, they take a ton out of my paycheck, and I get about $3,000 back from the government. Woo! You know, at the end. And so that was what I was expecting the first year that I was at this church. So I go to the CPA, turn it all in, and I'm probably going to get more because, like, you know, like, I, I actually thought I was going to get more because pastors are going to get more or something. And then they're like, oh, you owe $5,000. And I was like, what? You mean, you got that flip-flopped, right? I'm going to get $5,000. And she's like, nope, you're go you owe $5,000. And I was like, well, I don't have, I'm not that kind of a pastor. I am the poor kind of pastor. I don't have 5000 I don't have $500 to pay on taxes, let alone 5000 like now. Like, okay, uh, are you going to pay check? Or, no, electronic debit? No, 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 that's faster. I'll pay check and, like, miswrite stuff on there, you know? I don't know what to do. So go home, pray. God, I, don't, I don't have any money for this. And then... You know, about a week or so later, God miraculously pro provides money to pay for that. Like uh, someone just, oh, out of the blue gift that someone gave to us. Um, and I was like, whoa. No, that's not a fish, but it, but it was a random, unexpected gift. I think God knows I don't like fish, so <laughs> no fish were involved in my story. But out of the blue, someone gave us enough money to, to pay the tax. So today we see that God provides miracles for big things and small things. Now God doesn't always provide a miracle. But a miracle is always a possibility. And so I want to encourage you to, to pray and ask God for a miracle for every single little thing that you're dealing with or, or facing. I, I want to encourage us to ask for God's miraculous provision in our lives, in the big things and the small. Perhaps we don't experience miracles in our lives because we don't ask for them. We are unavailable because we doubt. And we, so we don't even bother to ask. Oh, this is too small. Oh, this, God doesn't care about this. God does. He cares about an axe head floating, coins in a fish mouth, a lady who's genuinely hungry. God cares about it all, big and small. Maybe it's time we start to look to supernatural encounters, to expect God to be at work today as much as he was in the historic Bible. So I want to encourage you not to be afraid to ask God to, to seek his provision, but to also remember. Remember when he does provide, and then thank him for that provision. This idea of miracles, I know it, it, seems, it seems silly to the world. 
Miracles seem like, oh, like so hokey and magic and something weird to the world. They don't understand it. But, but miracles are life and they're real to believers. And so I want to encourage you, don't be discouraged by the doubt of the world, but be encouraged by the faith of the Christian community. And start to look for and ask and, and beseech God for the miracles. Man, some of you, you got big miracles you need. And some of us, we got small miracles that we want. And God cares about all of them. And so let's give them to him. Because the God of miracles is at work just as much today as he was in history past. And so would you stand with me as we close our service and we're going to close it with worship to this God who we believe is the miraculous God.